The first reading is from 1 John, verse, chapter 4, verses 7 to 12. You can find it on page 1056 in the Church Bibles. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. The second reading comes from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21, and you'll find that on page 1007 of the Bibles. So it's Ephesians 3, beginning at verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. If I haven't met you before, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the assistant pastors here at church. Great to see you here this morning. Let's pray as we look at God's word. God of power, we pray now that you would work in our hearts, bringing yourself great glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you're anything like most people, I'm going to guess sometimes you find it hard to pray. You find it hard to pray. We know that we're meant to pray. We know that we get to pray. But sometimes it's hard to know what to pray for. Sometimes it's hard to know what words to say and what to ask for. And this is really challenging, I think, because what we pray for reveals a lot about our hearts. What we pray for reveals a lot about what really matters to us. 
And so that's why this little section of Ephesians chapter 3 is really, really helpful because in this little passage here, we have an example in the Bible of a prayer, an example of the Apostle Paul praying. Paul was a passionate prayer. He loved to pray. And he's writing in prison, he's writing to the Ephesians, and in chapters 1 to 3, he's talked all about what Jesus has done. And then here in this little section, he takes a little pit stop and he just prays. Just praise. I love it. He says that he's kneeling. He's kneeling. See that in verse 14? It's a picture of awe and humility before God. He says he's kneeling before the Father. He's not praying to some distant God he's never heard of before. He's praying to his heavenly Father who knows him and loves him and cares for him. And what does he pray for? Did you notice the word that just kept coming up over and over again? It's something that I think we don't pray for very often. And I was speaking to someone this morning after the 8 a.m. service, and they said, I never thought I was meant to pray for that. He prays for power. For power. That's what we need. That's what all of us need. Power. Not power in a worldly sense. Paul isn't praying that he becomes the next CEO He's not praying that he becomes a prime minister or anything like that. Not power in a physical sense. He's not praying that next time he hits the gym, he'll be able to lift more than he did the week before. And he's not praying for power for himself to wield. I've been watching the, um, James mentioned the Marvel films before. I'm really behind, my wife's really behind, so we're starting from the very beginning of the Marvel films because we haven't seen any. We feel like we should catch up. And we're watching those early films where these superheroes basically find out they've got these powers and basically learn how to wield them. Paul's not praying for some kind of power for himself to use on his own ability. That's not what he's praying for here. It's better. It's better. He's praying for God's power. That's what we need, isn't it? God to powerfully be at work in our lives. God to be powerfully at work in our church. God to be powerfully at work in the lower North Shore. That's what we need more than anything this morning. The power of God. The power of God. What does he pray? He prays for God's power in three ways. Three ways. Firstly, power to be strengthened. Secondly, power to be rooted in love. Thirdly, Power to know something. Power for knowledge of God's love. Strength, love, knowledge. That's how he prays that God would be powerfully at work. Let's look at the first one. Paul prays, firstly, for power to be strengthened. Look in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches... He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Paul prays that the Ephesians would be strengthened with power. How? By his Holy Spirit. You need to know if you're in the room this morning and you're a Christian, you follow Jesus, you have God's spirit in you. And that's, that's a big deal because the spirit in the Bible is described as the spirit of power. You have the Holy Spirit of power dwelling in your hearts. How amazing is that? And Paul prays that this Holy Spirit of power would powerfully be at work strengthening them. Where? 
He says, in their inner beings, in the core of who you are, the, the control center of your life, the control center of your will, your emotions, your passions, that's where God wants to strengthen you, to grow you. Why does he pray for strength there by spirit in the core of your being? Well, he prays in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He's praying that God would strengthen them by his spirit in the core of their being. Why? So that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith. And you may be thinking, hang on, isn't Paul writing to Christians? He's writing to the Ephesian church. Doesn't Christ already dwell in their hearts through faith? Well, it's true. If you trust Jesus, Christ already dwells in your hearts. It's already happened. No, what Paul's praying here is that Christ would dwell in their hearts more and more. That he'd dwell in their hearts more and more and be transforming them. My wife and I, when we moved uh, to this church, we moved into the local area, moved into Neutral Bay, and you know when you move into a new place, you notice things that you want to change to make the place feel more like home. So we moved in and we're renting, so there's not much we can really do. But, you know, at first our furniture was all over the place and we decided to rearrange the furniture. We decided we needed to buy another couch to kind of make the room work, so we bought a couch, put some fairy lights out in the balcony, made that look nice, stuck some paintings up with the removable sticky hooks, renting. And, you know, just made the place feel like us, feel like home. And now we look at the place and and it reflects more and more who we are and how we want the place to be. Well, when you became a Christian, Jesus moved into your heart. He moved into your heart and he found the place to be a total mess. A total mess. And he started a massive home renovation project on your heart. He's making changes everywhere. He may start in just one room, first, one area of your life and work there and change you there and then move to another room and to another room. And this home renovation project, it's not going to be finished until you die. It's a lifelong thing. But he's making your life, your heart, your character more like him. More like him in your character, your convictions, your passions, your priorities. He's changing you. Are you growing? Are you growing to be more like Jesus? That's his plan for your life. It's, uh, I remember when I was a kid, and I think I must have been about five or something, and my dad told me I was going through a growth spurt. And I was so stoked I was going through a growth spurt that I thought, maybe if I just stand still and look at myself in the mirror, I might see myself grow. (laughs) It's a ridiculous idea, right? Because I hadn't understood that growth happens over the long term. It's the same with growing as a Christian. Don't look at yourself yesterday and go, have I grown more like Jesus since yesterday? Look at the long term. Are you more like Jesus this year than you were a whole year ago. Ask someone you know that you trust. Ask them, am I more like Jesus than I was a year ago? 
If you're not, perhaps God's giving you a wake-up call this morning. Because that's what he wants to do in your life, a home renovation project. He wants to strengthen you from the inside and make you more like him in every aspect of your life. And notice, it's, it's a work of the Trinity. Isn't that beautiful? You see it there? Paul is praying to the Father that he would work with power through his Holy Spirit so that Jesus Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith. A prayer to the Father that by the Spirit, Jesus would dwell in their hearts. It's a beautiful picture. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all working together to make you more like him, to transform you, to strengthen you. It's a powerful thing. This is a great prayer to pray for yourself, isn't it? God, whatever it takes, would you grow me? God, whatever it takes, would you transform me? And it's a great prayer to pray for our church, for your brothers and sisters around you this morning, that we would be powerfully transformed from the inside out. Well, first thing Paul prays for, that they'd be strengthened with power. The second thing, that they would powerfully be rooted in love. Be rooted in love. Look at verse 17, halfway through. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. You know when you stand at the foot of a giant tree, one of those trees that just seem to go right under the sky. And at that point, the roots of those trees, those giant trees, are so big that they fruit out of the ground. And you know, though, that a lot of the roots you can't even see. They're actually in the soil, hidden from view. But those roots are keeping that tree standing. The roots matter. It's the same with the building foundation. The foundation of a building matters. I'm not an engineer. I'm not a builder. I have played Jenga, though. And you know when that annoying person, they take out one of the blocks on the right and on the left, so the whole building is just standing on one little, one little block. And at that moment, the foundations are so flimsy that you could just blow on the thing and it would just fall straight over. The foundations matter. You have to have strong foundations for the building to stand firm. And here God's saying to us, are your foundations right? We need the right foundations. We need the right soil. And it needs to be love. It needs to be love. Rooted and established in love. Why love? Well, our God is love, isn't it? Just heard that from 1 John. Our God is love. And we know his love. Because he loved us even when we were unlovely. When we were sinners and rebels. He gave up his son for us. When we were his enemies, he gave up his son Jesus who died for us in our place for our sins so we could be made right with him. There's no greater love that we could ever know than the love of Jesus dying for us. That's incredible love. That is to be the foundation of our lives. Any other foundation and the building isn't going to be strong. If the foundation of our life is that if the foundation of our life is that it's all about doing good things for God, it's a hopeless foundation. 
if the foundation of our life is that God accepts everyone and it doesn't matter what you believe or what you do, that's a bad foundation too. The foundation here is Christ's love for us, dying for us, rising again. That is the soil our lives need to be dug into. And if we know that love, shouldn't it shape our lives? It makes us loving. It makes us loving. Because we know God's love, we love others. Let me ask you, if someone were to describe your life, would they describe you as loving? Is that one of the first words that they'd say on their lips? What about our church? Our church has a great reputation. A lot of people talk about church by the bridge, which is fantastic. But as they were describing our church, what would they say first? Would they mention that we're a loving church? Rooted and established in love. I think we are a loving church, but that needs to be one of the top things that we're aspiring to be. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, we can have impressive, impressive music, a great church building, we can have the most gifted people, but if we don't have love, we're nothing. Not a sentimental love, but a practical love. A love that cares for the needy, a tough love that confronts injustice, a love in the way we speak, a sacrificial love that cares for people at cost to ourselves, a love that is constantly asking, what's in this person's best interest? Costly, sacrificial love. Is that you? What a great prayer again to pray for our church. Let's be a church that is rooted and established in love. Well, Paul's praying for God's power, power to be at work. Praise firstly, for power to be strengthened. Secondly, for power to be rooted in love. And finally, he prays for power to know something. Power to know God's love. Look down at verse 17, halfway through. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What an amazing picture. God's love for us is so wide, so deep, so long, so high. I um, love David Attenborough. David Attenborough. Anyone else love David Attenborough here? Any other fans? A few people. It's not just his, his awesome voice. I love that. But I just find those episodes so fascinating. And my favourite ones are the ones about the ocean. They're, they're my favourite. I love them. The ocean, I remember learning this. The average depth of the ocean... 4,000 metres. 4,000 metres. But in some areas, the ocean is 11,000 metres deep. 11,000 metres. That is deep. 
Now, if you're standing there on the edge of the ocean, you know, standing in the sand, the water's lapping against your toes. If you look out, maybe you look as far as the eye can see, out to where the ocean meets the horizon, and you just try and get in your head how big the ocean is, how deep it is, how much water there is, you can't begin to even get close. It's just, it's too much to grasp, too much to get our head around. It's so big. That's God's love. No matter how hard we try, we, it's so big, it's so long, it's so deep, it's so high, we'll never get our head around it. That's why I love, Paul prays that they know, that they know God's love, but he says, it's a love that surpasses knowledge. It's like, it's like trying to teach someone something, but saying to them, oh, by the way, you'll never understand it. Isn't it amazing? He's saying, I pray that you know God's love. It surpasses knowledge. It's so big, so huge, so amazing. Do you know that love? Do you know that love? You know, remember, he's writing to Christians. He's writing to Christians. They should already know that God loves them. If you're a Christian, you should know that God loves you. So why is he praying that they know it? Because it's not just about knowing something intellectually. It's more than that. Jonathan Edwards, he said this, there's two ways to know that honey is sweet. You can know it with your mind or you can taste it with your tongue. You can know that honey is sweet in your mind, you can know that, but there's another thing to know it by experience, to actually taste it, taste that sweet honey on your tongue. Friends, you can know God loves you this morning. Maybe you know it intellectually, but it's another thing to be gripped by it, to be powerfully shaped by it, to have it transform you, to have it grip your heart, do you know God's love that way? Does it shape your emotions? Does it fill you with joy? Does it fill you with thankfulness? Does it lead you to sing? Does it lead you to your knees in awe and gratitude? God's love, you'll never fully grasp it, never fully understand it. But pray that you grasp it more and more, that it changes you from the inside out. It's not just a, I knew this, I tick it off. It's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong journey. And it's something we need each other to do, actually. That's why Paul prays that they'd have power together with all the Lord's holy people to understand God's love. We actually need each other to understand God's love. We see in each other's life the love of Christ. We have each other point each other to God's love. It's a community thing, a community project. Do you know this love? Maybe you're here this morning and you don't yet follow Jesus. You've been exploring who Jesus is, maybe coming to church for a while. Maybe for you, you need to hear that God loves you. He gave up his son for you so you can be forgiven, so you could be his child. Trust him. Follow him.
there's no greater love. But maybe you're here this morning and you are a Christian and, and you know intellectually God loves you. Of course you do. And you felt it before, but you never fully grasp it. What a great prayer to keep praying. God, grip me by your love. May I know it more and more, not just in my mind, but in my experience. It's a great hymn. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Vast, unmeasured, boundless, free. Rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. Underneath me, all around me, is the current of thy love. Leading onward, leading homeward to your glorious rest above. Paul's praying for power. Power to be strengthened. Power to be rooted in love. And power to know God's love. Now that's a huge prayer, isn't it? That is a massive prayer to pray for yourself, for people at church, people you know. But I love how Paul ends it. He realizes God can do it. God can do it. He can answer the prayer. Do you see what he says in verse 20? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power, there's the power again, according to his power that is at work in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I know I'm raising my voice, but there's an exclamation mark there and I just feel like it's something that needs to be you know, shouted. To him be the glory. That's how Paul finishes his prayer. God can do it. He can answer the prayer. Just think of your most crazy, outrageous prayer. Double it, triple it, God can do immeasurably more. Immeasurably more than all you ever ask or imagine. He's that powerful, that capable. He can answer our prayers. To him be the glory, Paul prays. That's why we pray, isn't it? It's not about us. It's about his glory, ultimately. That's our heart's desire. That's our heart's longing, that God would be glorified in our prayers. That by answering our prayers, he would be magnified and praised. He can do it. To him be the glory. Can I encourage you, maybe this week, pray this prayer every day. Just a little, you don't have to. But this might be a really good thing to do. Every day, pray this prayer for yourself. Turn it into a prayer for someone you know, your family. You can add in a few words here and there. It's a great prayer. That God be powerfully at work. We need his power in our lives. We need his power in our church. We need his power in the lower North Shore. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever 
and ever. Amen.